God's will for your life. I think it's one that we all, all want to know, right? <clears throat> you know, I think um, there's, there's so many joys to being married. And one of my favorite joys of being married is trying to decide whose TV show we get to watch. See, Terry's favorite TV show is a show called The Curse of Oak Island. I don't know if you've ever watched the show, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, it's basically about a treasure hunt on this island in Nova Scotia, and these guys are digging up the island because they believe one of the greatest treasures of all time are hidden in the island. This is for real, folks. Like grown men digging in the mud all day long. The show consists of them digging a hole and looking through the mud, and then they go in the swamp and they look through more mud, and then they find a piece of wood. And they're so excited, they call in experts on the piece of wood who also play in the mud with them. And then they look at the wood, and they're like, it might have been a plank. (laughs) And so they go back to digging in the mud. Terry has explained to me that a grown man, that every man's dream is to play in the mud all day, like if they could. So this is, you know, he's like, and then they'll find like a nail. And they look, they call in the experts and they look at it and it's like it's from the 1600s. And the way they keep you hanging on is because every once in a while they'll find like an old coin, okay, that's super faded. They'll call in another expert who also has done nothing with their life. And <laughs> they will look at this coin and be like, it's definitely from the Spanish treasure. And they hook you for another season. And here we are nine seasons later. (laughs) And, you know, it made me think, uh, when I was alone that next morning, it made me think. I was like, we have the greatest treasure on earth. And many don't even care about it. We have the greatest treasure. Think about it. The one who created your pets. The one who made your brain. The one who created the beautiful earth. He left behind this amazing treasure map called the Bible. And some never even open it. It's an amazing treasure map. It has everything you need in it if you want to survive, if you want to thrive, if you want to be healed, if you want to know what your morals should be, if you want to know what your ethics should be, if you want the greatest treasure map to to find out who God is and why you are who you are. It's right there. But see, most people approach it with apathy. They don't even really care. And it's, you know, if you don't value the word of God like these men value that treasure map, then it's going to lose its impact in your life. See, so many people wonder why. Why I read the scripture. Why isn't it working for me? Do you really value it above everything else? Is it the number one important thing in your life? So today I want to focus on supposed to be God's will for your life, not plan, but anyway, we'll go with it. It's God's will for your life is the title of my sermon today. So, you know, 
there's a lot of topics written about this subject, what's God's will for my life, and there's many you can listen to, and there's many that are, are accurate. I want to go from a slightly different perspective today, and that is I want to kind of take it from God's perspective down. So first of all, if, you, if I had ask you, what is God's will for mankind, what would you say? Salvation, right? Oh, for people to be saved. People to go to heaven, right? That's why he sent his son, Jesus, died on the cross, took your sins so that you could be saved and spend eternity with him, right? That sounds, sounds great. We want to go to heaven. But what happens, what happens after you get saved? You commit your life to the Lord. Now, what is God's will for your life? Because you're on the road. Is it just heaven? Well, let's read what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Here he's busy teaching his disciples how to pray. And let's see what he says. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So wait, there it is right there. What is God's will? Your will be done. Here it is. Wait for it. On earth as it is in heaven. So God wants earth to look like heaven. What does that mean? That means righteousness, peace, joy, love, holiness, goodness, health, right? That's what it means if earth looked like heaven. Well, how does he plan to get that done? Let's look at another scripture. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. It says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. This is just one of many, many scriptures in the Bible that talk about God's will is that we've been conformed to the image of his son Jesus daily. That's the Holy Spirit's work in us is conforming us, changing us to look and act more like Jesus. Everything about us is supposed to look and act more like Jesus. Remember, if the world can't see Jesus, they're supposed to look at you and see him. So here we go. Here's a short summary. Don't you love it when there's a summary and you're only five minutes in? You're like, score, summary. So summary, God's will is it for it to be on earth the same as it is in heaven, which means righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. He wants the kingdom of God here. How does he plan to do this? Because we are supposed to be acting and looking more like Jesus every day and thus impacting the world around us, bringing heaven to earth. Okay? So there we go. That's it in a nutshell. Super simple message. I thought I would do that for you after Dad's last couple messages where you're... I was going to give your brain a rest this week. Okay? That's what I'm up here for. But you know, I was thinking, like, this is it. This is what God wants. And, but do we see this really? If you're honest with yourself, if you look around at the body of Christ, maybe Christians, you know, nobody in this church, but other people that maybe call themselves Christians, do you see this? Do you truly see Christians walking in the power of God, the love, the peace, the joy, uh, and, and then just living that out and truly impacting everybody around them? Or does it seem like a lot of the body of Christ is still so me focused they're still just trying to get their own lives together they're just trying to get their own everything going on I you know it it, it is what it is it's that that's what's happening and I I was really thinking to uh, speaking to the Lord like why is this happening why is it that so few seem to be 
really walking in the assignment that you've got for us, because truly it's an assignment. Yes, we, we all want to go to heaven. Whoop, whoop, so excited to go. But what is our assignment here on earth? God's will for you here is to bring heaven to earth. So how, how do we fulfill this assignment and not miss it? So I think we have to look at Jesus and go back to Jesus' ministry. Go back to the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. What did Jesus say when he started? What is the starting point? Perhaps maybe we've missed it because we missed the very beginning. Jesus started his ministry with these words. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. See, I think many people repent enough to make it into heaven, but not enough to see the kingdom at hand. See, because repentance means an acknowledgement of, oh my God, I'm a sinner. I try to do it on my own, my self-dependence, my self-reliance. I've tried to do this all by myself. And you acknowledge this God who loves you and has created you for a purpose and everything. And you go, oh my gosh, I'm going to turn from that. I'm going to totally turn and look at you. And what it does is true repentance shifts you from one reality to God's reality. How many of you saw the movie The Matrix? It's a great example. The Matrix, you know, who's with me? You know, okay, it maybe dates you a little bit. The young people are like, what? Okay, so The Matrix, you know, Neo has to take the pill. And when he takes the pill, suddenly he's in a totally new reality. The thing is, that new reality was the actual reality. He was living in the fake reality. So when you repent, you turn from this sin world where you actually think you're rule running and everything else, you're ruling it, and you become, you shift into God's reality. Now you're looking at it through God's world. Now you're seeing the true world. You're seeing it through God's eyes. This is what it means to be truly repentant. And what happens is when you get into God's reality, now suddenly your heart starts to break for people around you because you begin to see what God sees. Oh, I thought everything was fine and dandy. Now I see people on their way to hell. I see people suffering. I see people hurting. I see people in depression. I see people in bondage. Suddenly I'm seeing through God's eyes. And so now our assignment is to how do we get that? How, God, how do, I, how do I make a difference? How do I do this? And so this is the scripture that I've really been on for the last month, and that's Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, if we'll turn there. So how do we fulfill our assignment? Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want the perfect will of God, he's telling you how to do it. He starts right at the beginning. He's telling you how to do it. You want the perfect will of God? Here it is. Step one, present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know, I think in today's world when we read that, most people read that and they're like, oh, living sacrifice. Yeah, I'm doing that. You know what? I'm getting up 30 minutes earlier to spend time with the Lord. I'm giving up 30 minutes of sleep, okay? I'm totally sacrificing. No, that's just obedience. 
The scripture tells you to make time for the Lord. So when you do that, that's just obedience. It's not actually a sacrifice. I'm Cindy. I'm totally sacrificing. I'm not sleeping with my boyfriend before marriage. It's a sacrifice. No, sweetie, it's obedience. Don't get the two confused. That's just obedience. When God tells you to do something in the word and you do it, that's just obedience. That's not a sacrifice. It might feel like sacrifice to you, but it ain't to Jesus. Okay. So why, why did he say a living sacrifice? See, because... Paul was talking to the audience, and they understood that term because they were familiar. They had gone through the Old Testament where sacrifices were offered for their sins. And in the Old Testament, they would take an animal, they would kill it first, and put it on the altar as a sacrifice. So what he is saying here in the scriptures, he's saying, look, God doesn't want you dead. Don't bring him something dead. He wants you alive. He wants you living. He's like, he wants you living, but he wants you lay your life down as a sacrifice. See, because once you give him your body as a sacrifice, it's no longer yours. It's his. You don't get to decide what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, who you're going to date, where you're going to go without his consent. That's what it means to truly sacrifice something. And see... God, when God owns something, he takes very good care of it. He takes better care of something that he owns instead of something that's just leased to him. And I think some of us, maybe, you know, maybe it's time that you, uh, that you give God the reins because I think he cares more about your body than you do. But that's what he's saying. He's saying, lay it down as a living sacrifice and give it all to God and realize that he owns it. That's actually just your reasonable, sac- that's just your reasonable service. And then he goes on to say this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, if you've been a believer, you've heard this. You've heard this quite a lot. Oh, yeah, i got to renew my mind, renew my mind. And, you know, sometimes you can hear something and it can kind of lose its impact because you've heard it so many times. So I looked up that word renewing. In the Greek. And the word is, we've got it up for you there, it's anakanu. And anakanu actually means renovation. I was like, huh, that's an interesting renewing renovation. Renovation. And it got me thinking a few years ago when Terry and I moved into uh, our new home, the, the kitchen, they had this terrible wall and the kitchen was tiny. I think we have a picture of the, uh, back it up guys first picture there we go so this was you walked in from the living room area and they had this built this silly wall and you walk around and there was this tiny kitchen like the kitchen was literally the size of my one bedroom apartment I was like who can live in this thing it was tiny uh my brother and uh my brother Hain and Anya they were still living here at the time and that's what he does he renovates people's kitchens and totally redoes it and so my husband Terry and my brother Hain tore it down we'll see the next picture they tore it down, like it's gone, okay? This is what, it's no longer, it looks like a kitchen, it's no longer a kitchen. And then they built it back up and renovated it and renewed it, and let's see what it looked like when it was done. And that, whoop, whoop, shout out to Hayne and Terry. See, like, isn't that cool? Like, this gives you a better picture of what is happening. This is what, when the Bible talks about renewing your mind, this is an internal renovation project, okay? 
We can take that down now. It's an internal renovation project of the Christian lives. See, our lives must be built and, if necessary, renovated according to the Word of God. For many of you, before you got saved, you, you were involved in a, in a sinful life. Or you were, you were just part of this corrupt world system. And so you built your thinking pattern on a fleshly way of thinking, on a worldly way of thinking. And now that needs to be torn down. And you have to rebuild and reconstruct and renovate according to the Word of God so that you can build kingdom structures in your mind. So that the kingdom of God can be in you and the power of God can come through you. So basically, this is a spiritual renovation of our way of thinking. It enables us to internalize God's truth and therefore live it out. See, the mind, the mind is the pathway to the heart. That's why the mind is so important. You're sitting there thinking, I don't think it's a big deal what I think or where my thoughts go. Not according to the Bible. It's very important. How you think, what you think, what you put in your mind, it's very, very important because it is literally the pathway to your heart. So you have to change the way you think about something if you want it to truly impact your heart, if you want your heart to grasp it, hold on to it, love it, and live it, it starts with your thinking before it sinks into your heart. And see, many people have built structures in their mind or in their home, if you want to call it their home in their mind, and they've got these living rooms of depression or basements of rejection that need to be torn down by the Word of God and renovated and replaced. See, in that renovation process, you notice it was still a kitchen. It was a kitchen before, it was a kitchen afterwards. You're still going to be you, but it looks totally different. It acts totally different. There's new amenities, there's new features, there's new, everything is, it's, it's new and improved, right? So you're still going to be you, but your whole way of thinking about something, approaching something will be new and improved and God's way of approaching a situation. So this is why it's so important. So Paul says, renovating, renewing the mind, and what will happen is we will be transformed into the image of God. So this is how we get there. This is the steps. So, all right, Paul, what's next then? How do we do this? How do we renew our minds? How do we do the renovation project internally? How do we do it? Well, number one, the starting block is studying the scriptures. Would you agree? Studying the scriptures. Because until you know, because until you know what God says, how he acts, what he wants you to do, what he's thinking about, all these things, you can't, truly, you can't truly know anything because you can't change your mind until you know how he operates. What does he expect? What is he thinking? You can know what God is thinking, and I'm not being arrogant. You can because the Word of God tells you you can. So once you learn about him and you're like, oh, that's how he operates in a situation. Oh, that's how he wants me to be in a situation. That's how he expects me to pray. This is how he expects me to, to live. This is how he expects me to forgive. Then as you learn these things, now you understand the heart and the mind of God. And this is when it begins to transform you. This is when you begin to go, okay, I, I, I know who God is. But hear me now. I believe that that is just the starting block. Studying the Word is just the starting block. 
And the reason I say that is because I've met many people who spend hours a day studying the Bible and who claim to know Jesus, but their life lacks the power of it. They claim to know Jesus. They've read all about his miracles, but they've never seen even one miracle in their own life. The reason why is it's all theory to them. It has actually not transformed them. It is just theory. You know, in most universities today, the professors that teach business, most of the professors that teach business have never run a business, owned a business, or started a business. But we think this is better. Why? Because we, 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 um, what's what I'm looking for? We um, elevate, thank you. We elevate theory over experience. We elevate principle over practice. They've never had the experience, but we're going to listen to them. Right? You're like, rather give me somebody who's run a business, owned a business, managed a business, been successful, and I want to hear from that person. But no, this is what happens. People elevate the theory of it over the experience of it. And the same thing happens a lot of times with people who study the Word of God, who know the Word of God, and you meet those people. And man, they can quote you every scripture and tell you this, but it's all theory. There's no experience. See, when you look at the Bible, when you read the Bible, you shouldn't look for a principle. You should look for a person. His name is Jesus. God doesn't want your head full of principles and, and, and theories. He wants you to be living them out. He wants you to be walking like his son, knowing his son intimately. And see, theory only becomes truth when tested. It only becomes truth when tested. See, so you can read the scriptures, but you need to test them and prove them. And the way you do this is you live them out. Super simple. You can start with the, the least important thing in the kingdom of God, and that's money. Hear me, least important thing in the kingdom of God, money. Maybe you have your principles reversed, but in God's kingdom, it's the least. And he says, test me with it. So you read the scriptures, okay, I'm supposed to tithe and give offerings, so I tithe and I give offerings, and then God shows himself faithful and provides for you. And you're like, whoa, so cool, God provided for me. So what just happened? Your mind, in this part, when it comes to finances, was renovated and changed now, and it's being renewed to God's way of thinking. Because what happened is, in this scripture, when it worked in your life, you trusted God. So your reliance and your confidence now is on God. Your mind is renewed. So now what you do is as it's being renovated, God is able to say, look at the way I look at it. And now you go, I need to give more because I want to do more. So I increase the giving because now I want to reach the kingdom. I want to be part of God's kingdom. I want to be able to give to ministries. I want to be able to give to charities. I want to be able to give to things. So what's happening is your mind is renovated into God's way of thinking, you begin to bring the kingdom of God in you, through you, and what you do is you bring heaven to earth as your mind is renewed. That's what it means to be renewed by the word of God. 
that theory is no longer theory. It's become truth. See, you can read, oh, God, Jesus loves me. God loves me. But until you're wrecked by the love of God, until that moment where you are just so in awe and on your knees because you're undone that God loved you yet again and picked you up yet again and was there for you and forgave you yet again and has supplied for you even when you shouldn't have yet again and you experience and encounter that love of God, it wrecks you to the core. And when you stand up, you don't just walk out the doors like he said, just having a, a cryful moment. You are changed. Because that love of God emanates through you. And now when you used to be angry and annoyed, now suddenly you just want to show that person love because you can see that they're hurting. Oh, man, they're hurting. That's why they're trying to hurt me. I'm going to show them the love of God. I'm going to walk around. I want to pray for this person. I'm just going to go spend some time and encourage this person. What happens is now my life is not only impacted, that part of my heart that used to hold on to this anger and bitterness and resentfulness is renovated. It is renewed to the way God sees it. Now God doesn't just fill me. He goes through me because my heart is healed. It's renovated. What I do is I walk in love, and in turn, I'm now bringing heaven to earth. I'm walking in my assignment. I'm walking in the fulfillment because my mind is renewed. It's renovated. Now God, I see it the way God sees it. And I can't help but live it out. And now people are impacted around me. And God's will is being done. And heaven is coming to earth. Isn't that good? Isn't God good? And this is what you want. You don't want theory. You want truth. Because it's the truth that sets you free, not the theory. The truth will set you free. The truth will enable you to look more like Jesus Christ and bring heaven to earth and enable you to walk in the perfect will of God. And maybe you're like, well, how do I know? How do I know if, I, if my mind is renewed? Well, well when the impossible looks logical. <laughs> right, guys? <laughs> when you can look at defeat and see God's deliverance. When you can look at obstacles and see opportunity, your mind is being renewed. Because a renewed mind means a heart that is fully convinced of God's goodness, not just towards me, but through me. That's what it means to have a renewed mind. So let's recap. You know, you know I like a recap when we're getting close to the end. Uh, to understand, we understand that God's will for our life is to lay our bodies down in full surrender to God, to renew our minds, renovate our minds by the word of God and by experience, and therefore be transformed into Jesus' image so we can look and act and walk like him, bringing heaven to earth. Isn't that powerful? So what does that mean? Okay, we've, we're doing this. God, okay, what now? What does our everyday look like? Where do I fit in now that this is happening? What is his will for me in my life? What, what does God say? Well, let's finish reading this scripture, Romans 12 and verse 5. He says, So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So just pause for a second. What he is talking about, if you, if you read it in context, I skipped a verse. But he's basically saying a lot like your own human body has got one body, but you're many members. I've got fingers, I've got a nose, I've got leg. They're different members. Same thing in the body of Christ. We are all in God's body of, in the body of Christ, but we all have different parts. Some is a nose, some is a finger, some is legs. What he's saying, right? So let's see what he says. 
We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Say each of us. Say I'm in each one. That means each of you have a gift. Nobody in here doesn't have a gift. You all have a gift. Now let's see what he says with your gift. He's, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. He's covering all sorts there. Stuff that happens in the church, stuff that happens in the workplace, stuff that happens in your home. He's covering it all. Everybody's got a gift. Hey, if your gift is encouragement, then what does it mean? He says, do everything according, in accordance with your faith. So faith is that, tri- that trust and reliance in God that God's using me, right? So what have I got to do? I've got to extend myself. Like you're like, oh, well, I encourage people if they come and talk to me. Well, why don't you make a little commitment and say, you know what, God, I want to encourage two people a week. I'm going to call one person and maybe I'm going to take one person a coffee. And I'm going to make an effort to pray myself up. And when I get with them, I'm just going to listen to them. And I'm just going to speak the word of God in them. I'm going to encourage them. God, give me the opportunity as I step out. And I'm just going to pick people and call them and just start using my gift. And by faith, I'm going to extend it, right? So your, your, your gift is to lead. Maybe it's in business. Maybe it's, maybe it's in the church, whatever it might be. And you start, you're like, Lord, how do I do this in, my, in the business? Okay, God, I'm going to step out with my gifting. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to look for opportunities in the workforce, in the workplace. And every single person is listed there, which means you have a gift. If you're a teacher, if you're a, a, a social worker, if you're a singer, it doesn't matter what you is. You have, the Bible is clear. You have a gift. What you have to do is start looking as, God, how do I use it more for your glory? How can I use it more for your glory, God? I want to look around, Father. I want to see that person. And don't try and look. If, if you look at something and think, oh, I, I wouldn't want to do that. that. That seems intimidating. I wouldn't want to get up and talk in front of people. Then that's not your gift. Don't force yourself. The reason you're not succeeding somewhere is probably because you're not in your gifting. If you, w- your gifting is where it's a comfortableness. It's when you start to talk to people, and I, I, I've got, I've got a, f- a person in my life, and they will, s- they will leave me Marco Polo's or leave me a text or something, and their gift is encouragement. And I, well, I'm telling you, I don't even have to say anything to this person, but they hear from the Spirit of God, they step out, and they will send, and they will encourage. And I'm telling you, I, I'm encouraged every time it comes. I'm like, wow, they're just using their gift. They're just taking it. They're just stepping out and doing it. And you might be thinking, oh, why am I sending this person? But it's, it's in you. It's what comes naturally when you sit with somebody and you talk to them. What comes out of you? What are you drawn to that you can use the Word of God in it? So, what he's saying is the way we need to impact this world around us and bring heaven to earth is everybody do what you're good at. What your gifting is, walk in it. Say, make an effort. God, I'm going to step out this year and I'm going to deliberately do these things. I'm going to start a Bible study. I'm going to encourage somebody. I'm going to go and support. I'm going to go down to these ministry teams and, and, and pray for somebody and, and trust God for prophetic words. I'm going to do these things because I'm going to trust you. You don't spread yourself thin and try everything. You stay within your gifting, but you make an effort to do it. And as you renew your mind in these areas, whether it's loving God, whether it's moving in the prophetic, whether it's, it's giving and whether it's uh, whatever it might be, as your mind is renewed and renovated. Now, 
you look at everything the way God looks at it. Every situation that comes up, you're looking at it through the eyes of God, and then you pray, God, give me discernment and increase my faith so that I can step out and do what you want me to do in this situation. And as you do it, you know I'm bringing heaven to earth. I'm bringing heaven to earth because guess what? I'm looking more and more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is doing His work while I do my part. I'm transforming my mind by the Word of God. I'm taking a step out in the natural. Let the Holy Spirit do the miraculous work inside of you, renewing you. So when we, when we have people walking around, we look like Jesus everywhere we're going. We're bringing love, joy, peace. We're walking in the power of God. We're laying hands on the sick and they're getting healed. We're leading in the workforce. You're leading in the school t- schoolyards. We need people to rise up and be who God's called them to be in every field. That's how it's going to happen. It doesn't happen with one person on the stage on Sunday. It happens with the body of Christ. Amen. So in a nutshell, that's God's will for your life. Go ahead and stand with me this morning as we close. I just want you to take a moment. Just, just close your eyes. Just talk to God. God's been putting something on your heart. The Holy Spirit knows you. He created you. He knows the gifts He's given you. If you're still wondering and questioning, then just talk to God. Just, God, just show me what that is. And Or if you already know, say, Lord, help me use it more. Open doors for me, God. I, I promise I'm going to step through them. I promise, God, that if you, give me, if you give me a door, if you show me which way to go, I'm gonna, I will step out in faith. I will, Holy Spirit. I will. Lord, give me discernment, Father. Give me favor, Lord. Lord, show me what you want me to do. I will do it. Father, I will spend the time renewing my mind, transforming it into by the word of God, Lord, so that you can work through me. Lord, my desire is to be more and more like Jesus because the time is short, God. We don't want to get to heaven and find we missed it, Lord. We want to walk in your perfect will, God, for our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit for the revelation of what you're doing in and through us. We worship you, God. If you're here today and you've not made that commitment to God, or if you've drifted away from the Lord and you want a fresh start and you want to say, I want to make Jesus not just my Savior, but my Lord. I want to choose to follow him with all my heart. I want not just to go to heaven, but I want to see the kingdom of God. If you have not made that commitment, it's not for my sake, it's for God's. God says, I want to see who wants to serve and follow me. I want them to make a commitment before men. I'm not going to call you out of your seat. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. It's between you and the Lord. So if that's you today, you want to make a commitment and say, Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, and I choose to follow him today and all my days, then raise your hand right now wherever you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I'd like my ministry team to come forward, please. As we close the service, if you need prayer for, for anything this morning, whatever it might be, you want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, if you want to talk to somebody more about salvation, if you need healing or finances or whatever you need prayer for, it doesn't matter, our ministry team is down front to stand and pray a prayer of faith with you. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming out, guys. We are excited. This Wednesday is our P3 meeting. It's our Holy Spirit encounter night, so come on out. And then Saturday, I'll be letting you guys know we will be joining. California will be saved. <laughs> Woo! 
Thank you guys. Have a great Sunday. Have a great Sunday.